This is Creepy and Geeky, a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Welcome to Creepy and Geeky. I'm your host, Robert, and today is part four in my Saw series. Joining me today for this look at Saw, the final chapter, and Jigsaw is Kat Hughes. Kat is a freelance film critic who writes for THN, Ghouls Magazine, Film Stories, and Film Hounds, and she's the host of the new podcast, Movies with Mummy, where she talks kids' movies with her daughter, Aurora. Welcome back to the show, Kat. Thank you for having me. I am. Um, I'm ready to, to play a game. I'm ready to do this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we actually kind of got, we're kind of on a, a, these two movies are kind of a, a weird, like it's a weird double bill, not because they're not connected. Cause as we all know, all the Saw movies are connected. And, uh, but uh, you know, one is the, the end of the original saga of sorts and, you know, and, and jigsaw itself is kind of this, weird extra continuation of the storyline that really doesn't go anywhere past this one movie so at least not yet so um, it's a it's been a been an interesting journey so far yeah they are Um, they 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 are interesting to to pair together but i just i think everything in the saw franchise it all threads its way neatly into one another i know plenty of franchises that try to sort of redact and like re recut and you know retell the law like oh no that thing you thought happened didn't happen but saw always makes sense it doesn't quite do that you think it's doing that and then when you actually sort of get the whiteboard out and like the the push pins and stuff it's like oh no actually this this does all make a horrible amount of sense despite it being written by x amount of people across right however many years they always find like oh there's a little gap there in that timeline let's just like (laughs) slot this thing in and it yeah it always manages to work it's ridiculous (laughs) exactly and we're even getting that with the new movie saw x that's coming out that fits between saw one and saw two so that's it's like okay well now we got even more of a gap to you know fit this one movie into so that'll be uh, interesting to see how they work that into yeah, uh, I mean, I did watch. Storyline. Yeah, I did watch. Obviously, for prep for this, I sort of went back through through the series, and in six, I believe there's a conversation that opens up the potential for the timeline for ten. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like when they initially announced it was going to be between one and two, I was like, oh my god, how? What's you know, like what are they doing? And then rewatching six, so I was like, oh, actually, maybe it could slot in there. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see X and if that maybe is the space where it's going to insert itself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. It should it should be should be fairly interesting. I'm excited to see it now that I've uh, got caught up on all of these. I still have to rewatch uh, Spiral one more time um, uh, for the show, of course, and then just also for myself before I jump into but jump back into. Uh, john kramer fully 
Uh, but uh, yeah, with these two movies, we've got Saw the final chapter. Um, we'll go ahead and jump into that one. And uh, this one is the the you know the end of the original set of movies uh, when Saw came out in two thousand four. They quickly like every year on on like basically every year moving forward for the next you know six years afterward they put out a new saw movie um and uh they uh they kept a fairly tight continuity especially for a series that was not intended uh to actually go past the first movie so it's a it's it's wild how much they were able to fit all that in and and make it make sense along the way yeah i mean horror franchises aren't known for their continuity i mean you think about this is this is the seventh film and it still directly interconnects with the first film and it's not a one-off it's not like a a dream warrior scenario where oh look suddenly nancy's back and new nightmare oh look she's you know now the actress who plays nancy is is in it there is a solid through line it hasn't gone down I mean, like Halloween or Friday the 13th, their law was reinvented pretty much every film, it felt like. So right. for this one to stick so closely to the John Kramer story is, I think it's really unique in terms of a, of a horror franchise. Right. And, and, and they do kind of end it at this point, at the end of this movie, it's kind of feels like, okay, well, they've, they've, they've completed it. It's all done. There's nothing else that can come afterward. Um, and yet, as we found out that there is a couple more stories to tell later on down the road. But um, but at this point, you know, we've got we've been we've gotten all of John Kramer's story and a lot more of his backstory by this point uh, that filled in all the you know potential gaps in what we knew about him up to this point. And then plus we get you know, more with uh, Jill Tuck. We get more with uh, Hoffman and. um and then you know we get the surprise return of Doctor Gordon, which was a which was a great um, moment to come back around on uh, uh, from the from the first movie. Yeah, because we've not seen him at all since. At There's all, been yeah. no mention like that. We visited the bathroom plenty of times in the series, but it's always just been like his decaying foot and right. Adam's corpse. His his. There's never been really much mention of Gordon because even when they have spoken of Gordon, it's been in the flashback scenes in a time pre-trial. So, yeah. it, and it's been that thread of, well, he kind of passed the test because he he sawed his leg off and he left. And it's been that that question of what happened when he got out of that room because we know that he got out and that Adam didn't. And the, it, the opening titles are filling in that gap and seeing him sort of crawl down. And then yeah. he said, obviously he's a, he's a doctor. So he knows he's got to like cauterize the wound and stuff. I thought it was a really exciting way to kickstart what was originally going to be the final, the final chapter, because it's like, Oh, right. that guy, the guy from the film that everybody sort of loved, he's back. Like, where is this going? It was, it was very exciting to see him back. Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. It's a and, and it is interesting that they did. They had every movie, you know, kind of filled in the gaps of pretty much everybody else, and we never heard about Doctor Gordon except for very lightly, um, 
after number one. And so it was a, it was a very weird, odd omission, especially with the fact that he did crawl away. Um, and you were to assume either he did get away or that Jigsaw killed him, uh, uh, you know, after he got up and uh, walked out and left uh, Adam there in the uh, bathroom. But, you know, without any firm confirmation, it's like, okay, so what really happened? And so it was nice to, you know, with that beginning sequence, like you said, to finally get that, that, that resolution of his story and uh, discover uh, just to, at least in part that he had survived and had potentially gotten uh, out. You find out just a little bit later into the movie. Yes, he did get out. He's alive. He's, he's well again. And, uh, presumably still a doctor, but might not be. But, <laughs> but this one's interesting too, because it's, this one introduces uh, that uh, the character, Bobby Dagan, um, who is a, who bills himself as a survivor of one of uh, saws, a jigsaw's traps. And, you know, cause there are other survivors. We have the, the woman who had to chop off her arm in um, was that number five. And, um, she uh so we've been able to find a couple other survivors in there um and so it, it was nice to see some of these other ones because there were some from uh i think number six were in there as well uh in this group meeting like a, a survivors group and uh that's where we see dr gordon again um with this being led by this group being led by bobby uh dagan um so it, it was it was kind of cool to see these extra survivors and see that yes, not everybody has died and not everybody has turned to um jigsaw's clutches like Amanda had. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing because I think you forget how many people do technically survive some of these traps because you're right, there's a lot of people from six. There's like the the um the the secretary who yes. who was was spared and things she, she thinks she's in there and um I can't remember her character name think... but Tanidra the 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 one with the you know, who who chopped off her her arm um it it is interesting to to see these people and it makes sense that they would form a support group but it is important that it does highlight that Jigsaw wasn't doing these trials to recruit people to his cause he right, just wanted yeah. them to live better but then i also think it's quite interesting that like within that group you have got people like um Tanidra's character being like what am i supposed to learn from this like i've got no arm like yeah yeah how am i supposed to appreciate my life after this when yeah, i like i get new. i get i shouldn't have like been giving people like massive loans and getting them in debt and stuff but how does me not having an arm teach me not to do that again it's right yeah it's um yeah no i i think it's i think it's it's interesting to have you know some outside like for some different perspectives on that for sure because you don't want to have everybody just be like oh my god yes it changed my life and made me appreciate my life better and like the way that you know bobby deegan dagan is he's trying to present himself as this guy who who was a survivor and, and it changed his life and made him want to be a better person and, 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 and help to teach other people like that. Um, and, you know, it was good to see other people who were just like, I'm just glad I survived. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, um, and I 
took nothing else away from this other than I hate Jigsaw and I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> yeah, and there's some there's some wild traps teased within that as well. There's that one woman who is sharing in the group and her trial was like to hang from a pole with a load of fans underneath them. Yes. Until like the, the other guy fell. It's like that's it's a very different trap to what we've what we've seen. <laughs> it's 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 almost comedic in a way yeah. because it's just like it's so absurd. Like how was either one of them supposed to like survive hanging? Yeah. There? Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely some there's some odd traps in this one that um you know, I, I've seen some other discussion on it that, you know, people didn't really like this one, that it felt rushed and that it uh, um, that the traps were kind of weak. And, and I'll agree that the traps weren't the greatest in, in certain things, but, um, you know, they don't always have to be. They don't always have to be super elaborate and crazy and everything. It's more about, you know, what it's taking uh, from the people, you know. Um, yeah, I think the issue with this one is that the traps are on screen for too long mm-hmm. um especially like the like the whisper one it's just a lot of this woman screaming which considering yeah. the trap is supposed to like kick up a notch if they make a noise louder than a Above whisper, a whisper. yeah yeah it, it feels like that one goes on for for slightly too long and yeah, i'll agree with that um, yeah. i think a couple of the other ones but this is obviously the, I think it's the only one that was also in 3D because it was around the time yes. of the boom and saw, although it had the, the Halloween crown for a number of years, Paranormal Activity came out and kind of stole its thunder, which is one of the reasons why they decided to retire the series for, for a while was because they knew they couldn't compete with that. So they kind of bought in the 3D as a gimmick that Paranormal Activity didn't have to bring people in and so i think some of the traps are obviously designed with that 3d element in mind which whenever there's 3d in a horror film it's always a bit cheap it's always stuff suddenly like coming out (laughs) to poke you in the eye and stuff um it's a fun night at the cinema but i kind of feel that they were focusing more on that aspect than let's make some really good traps but saying that i love the like the the lovers quarrel sort of opening the mid, you know, in the middle of town. And it's like the yes. two guys and the, I, you know, I, I really I liked it was very public instead of just being hidden. Like they normally are. I, I thought yeah. that was a great opening because it was so public and it was just like, you know, putting all their dirty laundry out there and everything. And um, just having people freaking out about it. It was that, that part was great for sure. Yeah, but, it's, but there's people freaking out and then there's also people just like filming it and stuff because that's yeah. what happens whenever anything happens in the world. True. There's the people that stand there recording it. So it was a nice sort of bit of social commentary. But I just, I love how it plays out. I love that the guys are just like, you know what? Is she worth this? Because she's like, oh yeah, right. kill him, kill him. And then the other one gets the upper hand and she's like, no, no, I didn't mean it when I just said that I loved him. I had to say that. No, and I just kind of, I feel that this one, is where it re- the franchise really starts to embrace its its humor more, right? And like That's, in that trap yeah. itself, when they're just like, "Shall we stop, mate?" And they're like, "Yeah, all right." And then <laughs> their girlfriend is, you know, like sawn in half. Um, right. It is, you know, it, it's nice, nice humor. And then you've got the um, 
Gibson character who is like straight out of like a lethal weapon film or something. He's like wisecracking here, there and everywhere. This one did seem to be going for that fun factor coupled with the 3D. It was going for like, we're going to give you laughs. We're going to give you thrills and spills with this one. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because I didn't see, I don't think I saw any of the Saw movies uh, in the theater. No, I didn't see any of them. The only one that I've seen so far in the theater was Spiral. Um, Because I wasn't, I came to all these pretty late. Um, I think I'd seen the first one on, on DVD not too long after it came out on DVD, but beyond that, I was just like, okay, they're interesting. I'm not a huge fan, but they're interesting. Um, but then later on, I I uh, jumped in and watched all of them up to uh, seven and uh, enjoyed them. I thought they were all pretty good. And um, this one, this one was interesting because I didn't see it in 3D. And while watching it, um, especially this time, there were moments where I could sit there and go, okay, well, 3D would have worked, I guess, in this moment. But there was nothing that really jumped out as being really super made for 3D. And, um, like, uh, you know, of course, obviously, there were a couple of moments where things were, like, poking out, you know, where they were going to poke into an eye or something like that. But it just still was like, you know, maybe it was better in the theater with the actual 3D. But this one just didn't scream like that to me and whenever i whenever i want whenever i see a horror movie that's in 3d that's what i want like i know it's cheesy and everything like that but i think that's what makes 3d fun is that it is that gimmick to poke things out at you as at at the audience rather than immersing you in things i don't like I, i don't really care about the immersion aspect that's neat but that's not what i'm wanting to see with 3d 3d i want stuff flying at my face um yeah so uh, yeah. this one just didn't feel like that compared to something like uh, my bloody Valentine uh, in 3D or um, even the the terrible Final Destination movie that was in 3D. Um, you know, at least those had stuff flying at your face. And that that's what felt like this was lacking in that way that even whenever I'm watching one of those other movies in 2D, it's still stuff flying at you and and and, and trying to do that. Whereas this one just did not feel like that at all. No, this one very much was like blood splatter was yeah sort of appeared to be like coming at you, which yeah, watching it just in a in a home environment without the three D is just oh look, there's some blood flying around. It doesn't right. You're right. It's not it's not like Jason Voorhees with a pitchfork, you know, coming <laughs> out of the screen screen at you or um, you know, the pickaxe from my bloody Valentine 3D. It's it's definitely muted on those those 3D aspects. Um right. but I mean for me, like Saw was my franchise as much as I was a, a teenager during the the scream era i was a couple of years too young to see any of those in theaters but right. saw was the franchise where i got to see all of them in the theater although i didn't go to see two in the theater because uh my boyfriend at the time wasn't really a fan of the first one so he didn't want to come to the second one um but from three onwards it would be it was like a halloween tradition for me and my mom to go and watch the latest Saw film together which was 
so much fun to be able to do that. And what I would do in the lead up to each film is I would watch one film a night. So by the time I got to Saw 3D, I basically had a week of Saw, which was a great week, uh, you know, settled down <laughs> on like the the Sunday with Saw. And then the Saturday I was in the cinema watching Saw, Saw 3D. It was a great week. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, it, if you can do these, like if you watch this original seven, you just watch them like one a day. It's a great week. You know, it's, it's a great, um, the way to watch them. If you don't want to binge like more than one at a time and you just kind of, you know, pace them out that way. It, it makes for a good overall story. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a lot of fun. And I like how, yes, it gets convoluted and crazy because of all the, the, the twistiness of the timeline and, and everything. But that's, I think, one of the major appeals for it, um, at least for me, is just like, well, where does all this fit? Like, how does it all work? And you can, you know, sit down and figure it out. And I know people have. And you can plot it out and say, you know what? This actually all works together really well. It does. I mean, and I would recommend to people who are planning a, a series rewatch before like watching Saw 10 and stuff, maybe do stick to like one a day because I I watched five in total uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah. Four of them literally back to back. Four, they, each one was 90 minutes. I had six hours while my daughter was at school and I was like, right, I'm going to do this. Um, and although... I didn't get fatigued as I do with like binge watching like some other franchises that I've done in the past. Yeah. It does get very confusing. Like a couple of hours later, like when my husband was watching Jigsaw with me and he mentioned something, I was trying to explain like, and oh, no, this works because blah, 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 blah. And four through seven had all become sort of like muddled in my brain and I couldn't remember yeah, like what trap. Yeah, they all blend together. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember what trap came from what film because the timeline is so interconnected and it, it makes sense when you watch it, but watching them that close together, it's like, I know it makes sense, <laughs> but I can't unpick quite how it makes sense now. Um, so yeah, like rushing yourself to like one, maybe two a day uh, because otherwise it's wild. I mean, the fact that I didn't have like insane dreams last night, I don't know how I managed <laughs> to do that because five, five, five saw films in a day is, it, it's a lot. That, that is a lot for sure yeah no it's yeah if when i was originally like i just recorded um the first two episodes for this series uh the other day and trying to keep track of of what was what in each of the conversations without being you know and obviously this podcast isn't you know spoiler free so i don't i don't ever worry about that but just trying to keep track of where things were at so that i could remark about the right things was like it was very difficult at times because at that point i'd watched up to number six um and so it was just like okay wait what happens where and so i did have to talk about things that were in five and six because it was like okay well things that are come later kind of inform what happens now and so it's 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 yeah <laughs> It does get a little very muddled when you watch them um, kind of back to back like that. And you're trying to talk about them all. So, but I mean, that's part of the fun. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, um, but yeah, it's um, it's a you know, th- this movie, like I said, this movie is the the final movie of of the original storyline. Um, like you said, they stopped it because of uh, paranormal activity. And, you know, probably other stuff that was coming up at the time that was, you know, kind of taken away from it and kind of given given more stuff. Because, I mean, by the seventh fran- by the seventh installment, no matter how good it is, people are going to still be kind of like, oh, my God, another Saw movie. Um, yeah. And so it's, you know, it, it's kind of better to space things out rather than do them year by year by year. Usually give it a couple of years between. I've always found is like the better way of doing it. So you're not getting too much fatigue on that i think that's kind of what people are experiencing now with you know the marvel movies as much as i enjoy the marvel movies and i have no problem with them because they are so different between each one of them that i think most people are just like oh my god another one so i understand it from that perspective again because you know you're you're watching these every year and you're just like okay i can't but i can't invest in that that much (laughs) every year but uh, i yeah i think what marvel did wrong um is they then started flooding TV series out as well. So it wasn't yeah. just, I'll, I go and watch like a couple of films each year. It's also now before I do that, I've got to watch this series because there's <laughs> this character who's going to become a main character in this. And I, th- I think that's really what kicked in that <laughs> fatigue. But yeah, right. Thor every year, as much as it was, you know, it was a nice tradition for me. I completely get, okay, there's some fireworks going off. Yeah. Can you hear them? What was that? There's some fireworks going off. Can you hear them? Oh, no, I didn't hear it. No. Okay, that's fine. I'll continue. Um, <laughs> yeah, as much as like it was a celebration for me, I completely understand like fatigue. Yeah. Coming in because it's like, but just, I mean, the fact that all 10 of these films are releasing in the cinema is again, it's not seen too often within no. our whole franchise. There's obviously some testament of quality to this series that means that Lionsgate keep getting it into into cinemas. I mean, look at poor Hellraiser. That got what, like maybe <laughs> three, four films into the theaters before they all went DTV. I think it was even fewer for something like Leprechaun. Um, so the fact that all of these are in the cinema is it's, it's just a testament to the quality of the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, there's not very many, I mean, I think, you know, all the nightmare and Elm street movies made it to theaters. Um, all, I think all the Jason movies, all the Friday the 13th movies made it to theaters, maybe just barely, um, (laughs) with Jason X. Um, but you know, it's, I think, you know, most horror franchises don't typically get that you look at like child's play i don't think the last two movies even made it to theaters they were direct to video um and it's just you know it's it's nice when a it's nice with this franchise that their quality is always there too they're not um they're not even though they're inexpensive they're not cheap they never look cheap and uh, that that's what's nice. That's what's been nice about it. And I think overall, the stories have been generally pretty good um, across uh, across the franchise. So, um, but yeah, I, I I like this one. I like how it ties everything up by the end. Um, I'm I'm. There's one thing I am disappointed in. It's the whole Jill Tuck storyline. Um, I 
it kind of feels like she was being built up to be bigger and then they decided against it um at the end um so that that was kind of disappointing because i kind of felt like she was a good um you know cuz people talk about hoffman and amanda and gordon being these um these disciples of 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 john kramer but jill was there along with him the whole time and like i felt like she was kind of the, the better heir and that you know she didn't really get her due as much as she probably should have yeah i for me i think both hoffman and jill in seven kind of get a bit of a disservice it, it almost becomes a little bit slasher movie with him just yeah. spending the film chasing her and her like, yeah, running yeah. away uh being being a bit of a damsel and i think that what the franchise has built up up until that point is that jill isn't a damsel you know she she works at this clinic with some really unsavory characters and you know she has you know I think you know John even says to her you know why are you working here with these people what is it about these people and you know she has got that gumption to to stick and say that no I want to help these people and she can she can hold her own with them and even when John turns she isn't as disturbed as you would expect yeah, as you would think yeah as somebody to be and she like she can see where he is coming from and she kind of she understands it obviously when she's presented with Amanda as look, it works. And Amanda's yeah. like, Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm completely changed. I think she she comes around to the idea and then you know to because she's obviously been around like Hoffman and people during these bits because they're all aware of her and her knowledge yeah. and stuff so for them to have be like oh no Hoffman's coming to get me it just it doesn't feel quite yeah like the character that we've come to know and it kind of feels like there was maybe more story but when they decided to end it they were like well what do we do with Jill and it just yeah. became a well let's just bundle her off yeah, that's what it felt like to me too. Like it's just like there was probably potential storylines that they were gonna do, but then because they wanted to take a break from it, um, they were just like, okay, well, we can't leave it hanging and not do something for a few years. Uh, we gotta, you know, cut it short and just make it. But at the same time, it's just weirdly frustrating because at that moment where Hoffman and Jill die, then they present Gordon as like another secret you know disciple of 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 jigsaw and that you know that seems like okay well now is he going to be going off and doing his own, like are we getting more movies with him now as the as the main killer and so it's like what does this mean and then it goes nowhere so it's like what are you guys doing i was so excited when <laughs> the pig mask was taken off and it was gordon Me too. it just it made so much sense. And then suddenly, because I was I was talking on on a pod um 
on the pod on the pendulum about saw two and one of the things came up was that oh john's apparently a surgeon now because he can just like insert a key in like behind yeah. somebody's eye like wow there's the no end to this man's talents but then suddenly it makes sense because he's had <laughs> a surgeon on staff so he's been yep. there doing the key he's been like sewing people's mouths up and stuff and i guess also helping out those like um Denidra's character who survived the trap minus yeah. minus an arm he's there to offer that sort of first aid triage um in some capacity and it just made beautiful sense and i actually met um carrie at a convention a couple of years after and because oh, he's yeah. not alone he's got two other people yeah with him yeah and that's yep. like I remember yes. like saying like because my it always bugged my mum. My mum hates an open ending. She likes <laughs> she likes her films to be like pretty closed off. She hates an ambiguous ending, yeah. and that always really bothered her that she didn't know. And so I was talking to him, and I was saying, you know, you're probably not allowed to like say or anything, which is completely understandable. But who's under the under the hoods? And what he said was that. It was the two guys from the Lover's Quarrel Trap. Oh, interesting. Um, it was it, yeah, like it was supposed that. to be like like after that trap, they were then sort of recruited by Gordon to be like his like second and third, and that yeah, a future story would have centered on those three um a bit more which obviously eventually yeah. when they came to do jigsaw they they decided not to go with that but i thought that was quite interesting that they did have a plan for the identities of who those people were yeah that's disappointing because that 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 is i get i do get frustrated with like leaving something open like that and maybe it's something they'll come back to but uh if they don't come back to it soon uh i i feel like they're just kind of leaving it on the floor uh and uh i don't know i just feel like that would be a really good continuation more so than like i like spiral don't get me wrong but and i know a lot of people don't but i like spiral but i think that that would have been a good a better story to continue on than spiral was in that in that circumstance yeah because i feel i feel like i don't feel like gordon was necessarily like a hundred percent involved in like the right. trials and stuff. I very much feel that he was kind of the on-call he surgeon was... for like, I, I need you for this. And he was also like Jill's guardian. You know, we, yeah, we, we exactly. see the thing where like, John's like, if anything ever happens to Jill, it's like, he's like a sleeper agent. Jigsaw, yeah. like he will be activated in, in this scenario. And obviously his mission is to, kill off Hoffman who has been the the reigning jigsaw so it very much then makes sense that this sleeper agent becomes fully activated and takes over the mantle and then he's got his his own two disciples who can help him because he is a man with one leg he's not going to have the strength of someone like Hoffman to collect victims. So he needs some much like a cancer ridden John. He needs somebody to go out and and get these people for him. Right. Yeah. And what better than two young 20 year old 
new guys like that. That's, you know, perfect for that. Yeah, it's that's so disappointing. And especially because it does seem like as much as John was like, you know, definitely wanting Hoffman to be his protege. He also was aware of Hoffman and probably could see the potential for Hoffman to go off and doing his own thing and going off book like that. And that's why he had that backup plan for Gordon the whole time. Yeah. And it's obviously it's so how all these relationships between them all sort of work in. (laughs) Uh, It's like originally you think that Amanda hasn't learned anything and you know in Saw 3 she she kills Lynn because of jealousy but then we yeah. find out in like one of the later the later films that actually it's because Hoffman has you know, sent this letter saying that he knows that she was there the night that Jill lost her baby and, right. and he will tell John and obviously Amanda doesn't want to lose her sort of like father figures approval father figure. yeah so she's, you know, she's desperately trying to keep this secret. So that's why she does it. And it's like, you know, there's this sort of almost like really twisted brother-sister dynamic between Amanda yeah. and Hoffman where they both want daddy's approval. and But like the brother <laughs> is just a bit more conniving. Um, and I just would get it. I don't believe that Hoffman is aware of Gordon. You know, you sort of see the surprise on on his yeah. face. when. So it's it's these two are there squabbling but meanwhile in the background there's this other guy waiting on standby it's it's all very i guess to some people it's convoluted but i think it's quite exciting that there's all these like different factions and they've all got their different like amanda's traps are inescapable hoffman likes to watch it's you know they've all got their like different their specialties and yeah and idiosyncrasies and stuff like that. Yeah, no, and I like that. And I also like that Jigsaw was playing it close to the vest. Like anytime he did have somebody else who was part of his game, he didn't always tell Amanda or Hoffman. You know, he was very much playing lots of pieces and and and, and very much as a, a a puzzle that we don't see the full picture yet. And I still feel like we don't have the full picture yet because there's still pieces left uh, to be put put into the uh, to be put into it. Yeah, I agree. So this is this is probably one of one of my weaker of the series, but I still really enjoy it. And that ending yeah. sort of like saves saves <laughs> yeah. it in a way. Um, I find it hard to watch this one. Uh, in the wake of Chester Bennington's passing, um, yeah. especially because his trap is, is what I think, I, to me, it feels like one of the gnarlier ones. Like he's like super glued to oh, yeah. okay. a chair yeah. and he has to like reach forwards to like free himself, like to like free the car. And then yeah. all of his like gang. I mean, he's playing like he's playing a neo-Nazi, so he's not as he's not a nice character. I'm not rooting for the character, but right. it's just as a big like Lincoln Park fan to 
it was really exciting to see like oh Chester Bennington's in it and I mean he's it's screaming in the film but it's kind of just yeah. sounds like him singing on one of his songs uh, but to watch <laughs> it in in the wake of his passing it's always just a little bit sad yeah. to to see um and I also enjoy the trap with Bobby's friend Kale he's like the the blind guy who's yes he's he's in a room with little floor and he's got to be guided by Bobby um I don't know if it ever made it over to the states but over here we had a children's game show in the 80s and 90s called nightmare um mm. and it would be a team of three three kids and one of them would go into it was the dungeon master and one of them would go into the dungeon and the other two would basically watch them on screens and have to sort of like guide them through different scenarios um and they'd have to they were always like on the run from a baddie and if the baddie got them then their game was over but one yeah. of the rooms because it, it, it was all obviously like green screen and whatnot but one of the rooms yeah. they had a helmet on and they couldn't see and that one of the rooms was the floor kept changing like configuration and like slabs kept falling so their guides had to be like a step oh, forwards, wow. half a step to the left, half a step to the right. And whenever I watch that trap, I'm just instantly transported back to, <laughs> to watching Nightmare as a kid, um, which was a lot of fun. So I, I do I do enjoy some of the traps in Seven, but yeah. it is a slightly weaker film, I think. Yeah. No, and I think part of that is because of the the character of Bobby Dagan. Um, like, it's, for me anyway, um, I just, like because ultimately you find out that he was not in any of the traps. He's just telling a story to make himself some money. And uh, so then he's now put into a, a new, or he's put, he's actually put into a trap now with the end with all the people who are around him, who helped facilitate that um, his, his friend, his lawyer, his publicist um, and you know, all these. So he has to save each one of them. And, you know, at the end, save his wife who doesn't know anything about this. And, um, you know, but along the way, he actually has to you know, do things that are going to hurt him um, as well as, you know, hurting slash killing the, the people who were involved in it. Um, and like, I, I just didn't care. <laughs> like, that's the major thing. Like, normally I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not super invested in any of it because obviously these are always terrible people but like what ultimately what he was doing wasn't really that bad so it was just like yeah i get you're lying about it but you know it's like eh, whatever but um but i just didn't care you know that was part of it and like as much as the traps were interesting and everything like that i just thought the overall storyline with him was just kind of weak and that was my only problem with it um, but otherwise, like everything else was, was generally pretty good. I didn't really care for the cop um, that was pursuing them either. Um, he just he didn't feel as strong uh, as some of the other uh, police in the, in the series. So, yeah, as I said earlier, he's very much almost the comic relief. Yeah, um, he's you know he's he he he, like, he, he says like whoops. Uh, you know, in an ex extreme circumstance, he's like, "Oh, whoopsie!" You know, my bad. And 
it's very much not the tone that we're used to right. see. There's always there's always been humor in the Saw franchise, but in his right. character, it made it explicit. Like, oh no, I'm the comedy, and you know, I'm the comedy cop. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's he's not as as strong as as some of the other ones that have been presented throughout the series. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie. I don't think any of the Saw movies are bad. Uh, none of no. the ones that I've seen so far are bad in any way, shape, or form. Some are less than others, but they're all still interesting in their own ways, and they all have they all have fun twists at the end that um help give more to the story. Um, and so as as long as they keep doing that, I'm I'm in for them all. So, um, but uh, that leads us to Jigsaw. Uh, which was, you know, we finish out, uh, uh, saw the final chapter, and then seven years later, we get Jigsaw kind of out of the blue. That we got a new movie, and uh, and this one tells a new story. Somebody else is, you know, continuing John's work, uh, or is it John himself? And this in the story, you're kind of confused. Although I will say, because of the way the stories have been in past installments i saw i saw it coming i saw the yeah. exact twist coming before it came um i didn't necessarily i had gotten spoiled as to who the person was that was doing it all uh but uh and that's nobody's fault but mine because i hadn't watched the movie until now so um but i i, I thought this one was really good actually um, I thought this was one of the stronger ones. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought this was one of the stronger entries. Um, what did you think of this one? I don't mind Jigsaw. So in the gap between Saw 7 and Saw uh, and Jigsaw, I started working for Lionsgate in the in the UK, um, which was like a dream because the Saw built Lionsgate. And I love yeah. Saw, so getting to work for them. And then the irony sort of was that Jigsaw was just about to be released uh, before I left the company to, to go and work oh. somewhere else. I did get to see it early, though. I got to go to uh, like a, an early staff screening because there was like me and two other people in the UK office that had any interest in horror, which uh, given Lionsgate was built on horror, is bizarre to me. Um, but I... Like we were, me and my friend were sent in because we were kind of like the saw experts um, that worked there. And because of that, I did twig the twist pretty early on. But I don't yeah. think that that really spoils the enjoyment because it's like, no. well, I think it's this. And then like seeing it all fall into place, it's like, yeah, I think it, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah, no, it definitely is. But it is, it's interesting too be able to watch it from that eye it's like when you're re-watching one of these films knowing you know you re-watching sword knowing that john's alive he's just playing dead right. in the middle of in the middle of the bathroom it's you know it's almost just as fun knowing where it's going to try and work out how it gets there and how it's going to misdirect you but yeah i have i have a a lot of a lot of time for it i think it it tried to do something different and it still managed to tie itself in you know we thought everybody thought that oh this story is done it's over it's been dead for a few years and yet they proved that there was still 
more left and it opens oh, yeah. it, it leaves a lot more questions as to, and presents another path for where the story can continue yeah absolutely yeah and i think that you know i i think there's there's still room for it even if you didn't continue on with john's storyline um in the way that this one does um i always feel like there's more to do in a lot of these franchises but this one specifically of people who continue even if they weren't involved in john's mission to begin with they could then pick up his torch and continue on with it so i always thought that's uh you know a, a fun avenue to go down and and that's kind of what this one does yes you find out that this person was involved with jigsaw but also that um but he was continuing the work for his own reasons as well so um but yeah i i i like the traps in this one i i like the group um the group traps those are my favorite you don't get those uh, most of the movies you usually get um somebody um trying to save you know a group of people like um uh in six and seven um i think three and four are the same as well you always got somebody walking through trying to save people trying trying to you know stop traps from happening and rather than the group ones where everybody's got to either work together or you know, people are going to die along the way, which is always what happens because <laughs> never anybody, no, none of these groups can ever put aside their, their crap to actually work together. Uh, but that, but I do, these are the ones I enjoy the most, uh, the group ones. Yeah. It's like the group in two are just terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. none of yeah. them, none of them were prepared to listen to each other. The group in five, Obviously, the, the group in two, Jigsaw isn't particularly well known. It's only Amanda who's telling them um, about right. Jigsaw. But by five, everybody knows about Jigsaw. They think he's dead, but everybody knows about Jigsaw. So that group is a lot more pragmatic. And they do say, well, what do you do? Where do you work? How do you know this? They still inevitably um, miss the point of their trial being to put aside their differences and work together right but they show a progression and obviously this group is much earlier in the timeline yes. so we kind of get a mix of two and three so you've got some characters that like aren't prepared to to work together and then you've got like anna who is you know, trying to find a way for them from all to survive. Um, but yeah, it's it's always interesting when you put different personalities into a extreme situation and see how how they work. Yeah. Yeah. Um no and I and I liked it because it did, you know, it 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 there's it always feels like they're always gonna kind of do this is that he had so many different games going on that um, you never know when another one's going to be found out later. Um, and so that's what's fun about it is because this one, yeah, this one, like they present it in the film, like it's going concurrently with, you know, the 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 modern story um, that's going on. But obviously, you know, as you find out towards the end that no, this 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 happened already a long time ago. Um, in fact, 10 years ago. 
And whereas the like it's similar to what happened in number two, where the group that was on the camera you thought was happening at the same time that had already happened earlier that day or whatever like that. So it was a different timeline, but it was, I like that he does this kind of thing where, or I like the stories where they do that, where they're kind of mess with you and make you think, Oh, this stuff's happening all at the same time, especially because this guy specifically um, was staging new kills uh, to look like the stuff that was happening in the game itself uh, that you're seeing on screen. So that made it a, lot, yeah. a nice little misdirection. Yeah, because like I said, I tweeted quite early on that. Yeah, I think it, I think it was when they started going on about ten years ago, and I was like, I bet this is in the past. I think it was because none of them mentioned Jigsaw. I thought, yeah. well, but then the bodies started turning up, and I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they haven't <laughs> gone gone with that. But then you're right. It's that is the whole point he is feeding in these these victims so that it appears as though this trap is still is still happening the one that like so i i had already kind of suspected that it was happening but when they find the body in the barn that's all shredded i was like or not in the barn but in uh, her studio uh, that was shredded and I was like how did he already pull the body out while well, they're still in that room there's no way there's no way that timeline works I was like he this has to have already happened like a long time ago uh, so yeah that was <laughs> that was what clued me in on that one so it confirmed confirmed my suspicions as to what was going on yeah I mean uh, I do question with that that trap in particular the motorbike corkscrew yeah. thing i do question why they didn't call this one spiral and why they why right. they called the next one spiral because that's kind of like the big trap in a way of yeah. this one with the the big extravagant death and yeah he he basically gets like spiralized like a courgette you know yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that they didn't sort of see that and go yeah, spiral would be like a new way but obviously they wanted to you know go with you know, jigsaw to be like no this yeah. is this is john's this is still john's story right well and i love too that they they did this misdirect for uh the audience as well too because during the whole process of these traps um then john himself shows up uh right at the same time that they exhume his grave and he's not in his casket and so you're like, oh my God, is he really actually alive? Um, did he somehow, after all the evidence that we've seen, not only beat the cancer, but you know, uh, beat having his throat cut? You know, yeah. is like, is this has this now become supernatural in some way? You know, so which I was like, obviously not. You know, anybody who watches this stuff knows that like it's not going to be that the case. It's fun, don't get me wrong, but it's not going to be the case. So. But it was a great way bringing uh, uh, Tobin Bell back to the franchise, and uh, you know, because it's great having him back in every installment like this. And I just like how when you go through the series and you track the timeline back, that for his earlier trials, he was just him. He didn't care yeah. if these people saw him and saw his face. Right. Obviously, at some point, 
something happened. Maybe it's when the the cancer started to take hold of him more. That's right. when he started implementing the the video and and stuff. But you know, for uh, the the first trap where he he gets the the drug uh, the drug addict who is responsible for for the loss of their child, it's just him in his workshop and the sky. Yeah, he's there, and again in in this one he's there. But I guess those ones are both very personal to him. I see in the first one it's the guy that that was responsible for for Jill losing the baby, and then in this one it's the man responsible for the death of his nephew it's his yeah. neighbor I, it's like when it's personal he gets full on and same you know, in saw face, yeah, yeah. Like, even obviously in saw he is in the room with gordon who he obviously yeah. blames for for a lot of things so yeah, i think it's it's quite interesting to sort of track it through and be like so at what point did he decide that he needed like a symbol? You know, what point did he become Batman? You know, what, what point did that happen? <laughs> well, but at the same time, though, he is using the Billy puppet throughout the the trial beforehand. So before he reveals himself to the last two, then, true. you know, you know, he is keeping it kind of under wraps um, for a bit just, but I think that's more psychological than anything else. It's just mm. like, you know, you don't know who it is for the longest time. And then at that key moment is when he comes in and reveals that, yeah, it's been me all along suckers. And so, um, <laughs> but um, I, I, I like that aspect. Um, there was something else. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that, Oh, I like that this one, while it definitely feels part of uh, the Saw franchise, and it does, um, this one also is um, one that it's not desaturated like the other ones. It's not got that yeah. uh, green uh, haze to it, um, the the filter uh, that they put on all the previous movies. Uh, so this one feels like, you know, it's it's more outdoors at times. You get a lot more outdoor uh, aspects um more daylight and more um it, they obviously were going for more um modern look for it uh, which i thought was interesting yeah and the trial itself is happening in a barn and not yeah some underground bunker in yeah yeah like sort of industrials yeah some industrial warehouse yeah yeah, because I say I, you know, I I watched four, three, seven back to back, and then going out into daylight to collect my daughter, it was like, but where's the green? I've become so used to like, <laughs> green and grime, and yeah, Jigsaw is a lot sort of slicker, and yeah, there's yeah. there's the bit with the, the people in the pot. It's because I know that the Ariel, who's who's a regular guest, you know, she has this yes. whole like saw saw city sort of like saw map, city, yep. yeah, like map planned out, and all we really see for the first seven films is warehouse and you know yeah. factory, you know facility and stuff, and suddenly. 10 years later there's parks and you know there's rooftops. baseball pitches yeah. yeah there's 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 yeah there's there's the tops of these industrial buildings there's a barn there's you know a farm there's nature uh so it, <laughs> it it sort of opens it up quite nicely and makes it feel 
like a more realistic world. I feel like the the first right. seven, it's very much its own sort of city. But by like Jigsaw, it kind of opens it up to, well, yeah, this could be any city. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it that's what I liked about it too, is just, you know, it modernized things. Things weren't quite as, um, you know, like, because with the first seven, because of the very nature of the, the timeline and stuff like that, they had to keep it pretty tight. But, you know, partway through that technology had advanced to like smartphones yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, they're still having to use flip phones and, and everything. And, and it just felt a little off. Um, you know, but it wasn't bad. I mean, obviously they were trying to keep the time timeline uh, tight, but then you get into, you know, Jigsaw and now it's just like, you know, things seem a little bit more modern and a little bit brighter. And uh, I gave it a, it gave it a nice unique um, uh, version to, uh, to add to the whole overall, but it still very much feels like a Saw movie. Um, nothing seems out of place in what they're doing either. So that, that, that part of it's good. Yeah. It's the moment where on the body, they find the like SD card USB yeah. thing. It's like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not in the past anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. not a dictaphone cassette tape. It's, oh my God, like we've had an upgrade. Um, it's a nice little thing for like people who have stuck with this series. It, it's a right. nice like little like, oh yeah, he's, he's gone digital now. <laughs> well, and that was what was funny too, because then all of a sudden we're back to the tape players on like in the trap section and so i was just like okay well he's still using those i mean he could be using little digital recorders now um and then <laughs> but then like at the same time though the the tv screen underneath the 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 floor there and the one that was in the silo um were like flat screens instead of like crt monitors and so that felt a little off in terms of timeline and that kind of messed me up too i was like well, is this really the right time period? Like, so it was a little bit confusing for sure, uh, uh, with keeping to the the thing. And I and very much they were doing that on purpose to kind of mess with your perspective on when things were. Yeah, and I I really enjoy the the cast in in this one. Um, yeah, she only has a relatively small part, but Brittany Allen, I think, is great as as carly as the uh the thief who ends up with yeah. the, the needle another needle trap um yeah, this, yeah. This, this franchise and needles um are just terrifying because well it's one of them is a placebo one of them is like a saline solution one of them is acid and one of them's the antidote yeah. and they've got a one in three thing and they just panic they don't look at the you can tell that people in in this world don't do escape rooms uh very often right. um <laughs> because they they're just like oh i don't know like like i'll just like eeny meeny miny mo that one um but i really i think Brittany allen is a, a fantastic actor um She's in, I can't quite remember the name. This is a really long title, but she's in a zombie film where she is just one woman being stalked across the desert by zombies. And she she's really good in that. And then she's also in a film with another Jigsaw actress, um, 
Hannah Emily Anderson, who plays Eleanor, the the assistant mortician. Um, they are in a film called What Keeps You Alive, which is this really taut queer thriller about this same sex couple who go away to a cabin in the woods for the weekend and their relationship just disintegrates but in like a really interesting way so when I saw her pop up in Jigsaw I was like oh okay and she's only in it like I say very briefly but I think she gives a great turn for somebody who in the world of Saw isn't in it for that long right yeah, no, I think she does a good job. Um, I really do like Hannah Anderson as uh, Eleanor. Um, and she does a really good job in that being somebody who, you know, you kind of are suspicious of because she appreciates what John Kramer did with his traps. She's obviously, you know, you know, as a as a as a person, as a like the person that she is, the character that she is. That, you know, she can appreciate that, but understands that they're wrong. You know what I mean? Um, But she appreciates the beauty and the designs. Um, So I think that that's it's an interesting character to kind of, you know, play that nuance on. um, And that's hard. So I I think she does it really well. Yeah. And you know that the people behind Saul, the people behind Scream, watch this and went ah because yeah. Eleanor obviously has like a jigsaw museum uh yes and that yeah it's yeah. obviously what what inevitably ends up happening in in scream six is oh look we've yeah. got it you know all these artifacts and i mean i refuse to believe that both of these films had this idea independently of one another given yeah. that one of them was already out in the world for a number of years i definitely think yeah. they sort of saw that went oh yeah no that might be an interesting direction um exactly but also laura vandervoort uh, yes is really good in this uh i mean she's obviously best known for playing supergirl in, supergirl in smallville, in smallville. Yep. Um, she was she was in a werewolf uh, TV show called Bitten, and she was in the Soska Sisters remake of Rabbit. But I really, really like the character of Anna in Jigsaw. She's a very complicated woman, and as much yeah. as you might see the the twist coming with the the time, the, you know where, where where we are in time, her character twist is just horrific. And oh, it's like, yeah. Even back then when I didn't have children and didn't necessarily see myself having having a child at any point in the near future, that is just brutal. And because we're oh, we're not much. we're not afforded female villains um too often. And it's very interesting that for the whole of jigsaw you're kind of rooting for her she seems to be the only one in the group that's really got her head screwed on and you know she's the one trying to get them to work together and you know get through this and survive this and you kind of you do you buy into her like well yeah well why is she here like it doesn't okay she let her marriage collapse and then when the truth behind her character and she's basically made her husband think that he was responsible for the death of their child when in fact it was her it's just so cold and cruel and you just 
you don't see it coming and that is what this franchise is so good at like yeah. even if you see one twist coming there'll be something else that gets you <laughs> absolutely yeah well and i think that was the that was the interesting bit about it too was the twist of who was behind it all uh, as well because as much as you you could suspect who it was and and i don't think it was very difficult to suspect who it was because while they were throwing red herrings at you obviously the red herrings were you know seemed kind of obvious that it wasn't them like eleanor or uh the cop um they just like it was too easy to pin it on them um so i mean at the very least i would think that you know obviously the guy who it was logan um he was the one it just his reasonings behind it that's what's always interesting too is because it it kind of is always the one you suspect least and then but you need to know their reasons behind it and they always have interesting reasons it might not be great reasons but they're interesting reasons so i thought his was his was pretty good yeah he's he's an interesting character and when obviously it reveals all of like the truth behind him and how he interconnects again it it makes sense if this series okay. just manages to to work itself in because and i think this is what i was mentioning earlier where i kind of went down like a rabbit hole with my husband was he was like well how how was he involved like how how would how would that work? Because we've we've heard nothing about him. And it's like, well, no, but it, it does still work because like this is an early jigsaw trap. And right. he see John brings him out of the trial after the after the first room because he suddenly realizes that this person shouldn't be in there and it's teaching John that he shouldn't be doing this for for vengeance. Um, right. he, he, he needs to have more valid reasons. So, like with without Logan, there is no jigsaw as we go on to know him because there's there's no one to to give him that like epiphany. Um, so it yeah, does work. And then, yeah, and then he, you know, my husband was like, yeah, but like then what what happens to him is that well, again, he's kind of like Gordon. He's just another sleeper agent who yeah. it's kind of he's he's come out and he's you know he's helped John when he's needed it but he's also got like his own kid to be looking after so he's yeah he's doing that and I feel like he saw the change that John was doing and he was was happy with that and obviously the legacy of of Jigsaw and John Kramer did have an effect on the city for for a number of years after but then it's when he sees the corruption and stuff start to filter back in that's when he feels like it's his time to to get back involved again so it it does make sense well yeah and then you know the death of his wife and then the cop letting that you know, the the killer go because he was a good informant and rather than you know doing you know again it was about justice and so it was like you know you didn't do what you you were supposed to do so i'm going to make sure that you can't do this anymore um and uh you know it, it was good i mean you know you you might quibble and i don't agree with their method their methods and everything like that but you know i can understand their motivations um which is always uh 
good for this franchise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think that it's a uh, you know this is this is a fun movie. I like that you know they updated that you get the little um the laser collar uh thing uh which was fun. Um, I thought it was uh I thought it was cute the way he like faked his um you know and then the the cop didn't realize it yeah um until just just till just there at the end uh and uh it was too late by that point yeah but, uh, and then the the whole sort of like splayed head yeah. is, <laughs> is is definitely like a, an image that like stays and stays with you we've never seen anything quite no like yeah that in this series yeah we've seen strom getting crushed by walls and bones breaking it yeah we've seen people like hacking parts of themselves off and but we've never seen something like lasers inverting and caught <laughs> it yeah it's just i mean i'm not quite sure that that's quite what would happen like from a no yeah a biological sort of way <laughs> yeah. but it 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 looks it looks like fun in the context of a horror film which is you know yeah. what you want from these things absolutely yeah no it's uh it's definitely it's definitely a great moment and you know just highlights you know some good digital work um you know in a in a franchise that's largely been uh, fairly good about uh, the practical effects uh, as well and even this movie itself was very good with the, most of the practical effects and everything so it was nice to see a little bit of digital uh fun there that didn't look bad yeah i think one of the most interesting things to me about this film being set 10 years later is that it is john who is associated with jigsaw because whilst the audience know about Amanda and Hoffman and Gordon, no, they were never officially found, you know, like found out and right. revealed and kind of like to anybody who they were revealed to, they were later put into some sort of trap or killed off. It's like obviously when right, Hoffman, yeah. when Hoffman in six realizes that, you know, when his voice gets revealed during the, the, the digital like scrubbing down to get to the original voice recording he right. shoots the three people in the room and you know as far as he's aware they're the only three people that know he's told that more people know but he he thinks that's a, a trick and then yeah jigsaw corroborates that um so i kind of it's 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 interesting that they all in their own way wanted to be jigsaw and the mantle of of jigsaw to have their legacy and to, you know, to be remembered to be immortal as a lot of serial killers kind of like that infamy is the the way to live forever right and yet in reality it's john kramer the jigsaw killer yeah it's, yeah that that's the way he's spoken about it's not jigsaw it is john kramer aka the jigsaw killer and so it's like all the hard work that hoffman put in <laughs> right. was all was all for nothing and it's, it's quite interesting to me that you know because i think the first time i watched it is like why is nobody talking about like hoffman and amanda and then it's like well actually kind of everybody that knew about their involvement isn't around anymore yeah so 
it would, you know, it makes sense that, yeah, John does get to be this immortal person on his own. Right. And I think that's what's part, I think that's what's a large part of why that this franchise is fun is because even though it is other people who are involved in it, carrying on his legacy and everything that he still gets all the credit for it, uh, no matter when these killings are happening or whatever. It's like, as soon as, as soon as the killings start up again, it's like, Oh my God, how, how can he be back? You know? <laughs> and so it's like, well, he can't be, obviously there's somebody else doing it, you know? And that that makes it so much more fun that he keeps getting like it's literally just him the entire time um and you know and it's not based on anything supernatural it's not like he really came back from the dead so it, it's that does make it a lot of fun in terms of continuing the storyline uh into the future and i also like how this one finally addresses john's love of pigs so this is happening. Uh, the barn is actually uh, the the Tuck pig farm, which is from Jill's yeah. family. And when he has uh, Anna and Ryan at the end, he's explaining how like pigs are those beautiful, sensitive creatures. You know, they they respond to the emotions of, of other of other animals and even humans. Right. I, I've always. We we always understood that Billy the Puppet has sentimental reasons. It was going to be uh, a toy for for his son Gideon, um, and it's sort of like a a way to have his son around in in a twisted way. But the pig right. mask has never really made sense to me. Like, how does a pig correlate to this? And in this one, we find out that John just really liked pigs. And, you know, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, if I was to become a jigsaw, I would probably have my disciples like wearing raccoon masks or cat masks. Uh, so again, it was, <laughs> it was nice. It was nice to be like, at least in some way for them to try and acknowledge how how he settled on a pig mask yeah well and they but they kind of did that in an earlier uh installment too where he was um going after hoffman in that uh market or whatever and he grabbed the pig mask but you know that was kind of like a throwaway it was just to go oh yeah that's why he does the pig mask now he just yeah. you know that other one was kind of cartoonish and he decided to go for a more realistic one but it does yeah i like how they add the 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 better wrinkle that, you know, the reason why he was drawn to the pig mask was because of his love of pigs. So that uh, a nice, again, it's always great when we get little additions to the overall story like this. So, but yeah, that's, uh, that's all I have on uh, these movies. Is there anything uh, that you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about yet? No, I think that that's, that sort of covers off most of them. I say it's, a sequel prequel that works yeah. really you know, it, it's both a sequel and a prequel and a an attempt at a reboot so i think it all works together yeah like really really nicely yeah no i think i think it was i think it worked really well i know that i i guess at the time um people didn't really appreciate it as much um and it's since i think some people have come back around on it a little bit more um, but uh, I think that 
you know, I think it, I think it works well within all of it. Um, and, uh, you know, next we got spiral, which I know this one spiral goes off in a different direction, not in a different, different direction, but, you know, it doesn't associate as much with John Kramer. And so that, um, I know that that one itself is pretty divisive. Um, yeah. I think and people so, had a problem. Yeah, I think people had a problem with Jigsaw until they saw Spiral, and those people. Yeah, were like, yeah, oh no, yeah. Like Jigsaw, Jigsaw, Jigsaw is fine, and I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with Spiral. I, but I watched it very much as this is. I mean, it's Spiral, the Book of Saw. It's not yes. meant to be a continuation of John Kramer's story. John Kramer right. had his, you know, he had his like eight films. Now we're going to try and like kickstart in a different direction with with right. different with different things i do struggle with chris rock um in it just because i know him more for his comedy and right. it's just yeah. like too much of a tonal jar for my brain to, to understand um it's like when i hear certain actors who i know for like playing an american character or something suddenly start speaking with a cockney accent i'm like my head i'd know. <laughs> go back to talking how you're supposed to talk um but yeah i i i see people's i see where people are coming from but i also just think when you compare it to other horror franchises there is not anywhere near as much consistency in terms of quality and narrative yeah as in the saw series so even if it's you feel like it's quite lackluster compared to some of the others in the series. It still has has its strong points and, and connects. Whereas some of the other franchises, it might just be, oh, I liked that death in that Friday the 13th film. But yeah, exactly. Other than that, I liked that they were on a boat going to Manhattan. You know, I liked that <laughs> there was toxic waste. Um, but there's not really much more that you can get from those films where with in Saw, right. even if you're not wowed by it, you can't argue with the the quality and the right. the, the narrative consistency. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that the the this is one of the most consistent franchises in horror. Um and uh you know they're looks like they're gonna keep going with that. So it's awesome. That's all I got. If you want to let people know where they can find you online. Yes. So I am on Blue Sky at cathughes.bsky.social and across Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter X, whatever its name is. <laughs> um, I am at Gizmo, Gizmo Shikari. And there are a link trees everywhere to, to my work and, I've got a couple of things coming out for the Arrow blog uh, in the near future, as well as essays in the second site releases of It Follows and Ginger Snaps. Awesome. Very cool. Um, second site releases are very good, too. So uh, you uh, can get them, get them, because they're very cool. So. so good. The Ginger Snaps one was only recently announced, but I wrote yeah. this like I wrote it August 2022 and I've had to just oh, wow. sit 
I just had to sit <laughs> and like not tell anybody outside of like my immediate family that that this is happening because obviously That's they don't crazy. want the news of the release. And I've like seen people being like, "Oh my god, I'd love like a ginger snaps Blu-ray," and it's like, mm-hmm, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's nice to like finally have it out in the world that, and it's not just because I mean this is this is how sort of like secret squirrel they are. I thought it was just Ginger Snaps that they were releasing, but they're actually releasing it's the all trilogy. Three. Yeah. Um, so like even me as somebody who was involved with the release, I didn't know it was going to be all three. And I'm so excited <laughs> to to get a copy because of the fact that, like with Saw, I think that the Ginger Snaps trilogy is is a really solid trilogy that all oh, works yeah. the fact that you've got you know the same actors coming back and you've got you've got your original you've got your sequel which makes sense and then you've got your your prequel where they go like properly back in time sort of like evil dead <laughs> and stuff it's it's a really tight trilogy and the fact that they're all going to be released is just so exciting that's awesome that's very cool yeah it looks like a, it looks like a good set so uh yeah, anybody who grabbed that i know that um some places be able to sell it here in uh, the states as well so um, that'll be really cool all right well i appreciate you coming on thank you very much thank you for having me yeah always it's always a good time having you on uh and i'm i'm sure you'll be back uh, uh pretty soon <laughs> yes definitely thanks again to cat for joining me on friday ashley thomas returns to talk about thor ragnarok and on monday katrina returns to complete my saw series with spiral and saw x and it's also my second anniversary episode so make sure to be here for that thanks for listening creepy and geeky is a part of the morbidly beautiful podcast network please check out morbidlybeautiful.com podcasts for more great shows if you like what you've heard, please consider giving the show five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, please share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. Music for the podcast is Gratitude, composed by Jerry Smith. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm GeekThulu on Twitter and Blue Sky and geek.thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more on TeePublic or by donating to the coffee page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.